Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Dolphins taken to the shed up and down the field by Matt Stafford, Carrion Johnson, and the Detroit Lions. What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Monday, October the 22nd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Dolphins lose comprehensively to those lines. We'll discuss the developments from the game. What's the deal with Matt Burke's defense? The weekly Adam Gaze slow start. Another player lashing out at Gaze. And is Miami right back on the wheel of mediocrity? We'll discuss all of that. But first, real quick, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Winkful NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Locked On Network. All your post game reactions and breakdowns and analytics, everything you guys want to know about this Miami Dolphins football team is up live on LockedOnDolphins.com. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts. And we did just launch the LockedOnPodcast.com website. You can find every podcast. In the Locked On Network, whether it's your baseball team, basketball team, college, we have it all up there. And I am one of the contributing builders of the website, so it's kind of my baby. So check it out, LockedOnPodcast.com. So we appreciate all your support over there. But enough about that. Let's go ahead and talk about this Dolphins team and the game against the Lions. That's another Miami Dolphins. Yeah, it was that kind of day for the Dolphins against the Lions, falling 32-21. And really, the score wasn't as close as it said it was on the scoreboard in Miami. The Dolphins got taken up and down the field in this one. And real quick before we get into things, it sounds like the Albert Wilson injury is going to be rather serious. And that one really sucks because he was so much fun to watch and he provided such a shot in the arm to this offense and an offense that really relied on the big play. He was the big play king in the NFL so far this year, but it sounds like we might be out without him for some time going into the season, the second half of the season. Definitely not going to have him on Thursday in Houston. So the hits keep on coming. Kenny Stills, Ted Larson, Jesse Davis, Mike Kosicki, Jerome Baker, they all left the game with injuries at various points. But... Let's go ahead and talk about something else, and I want to open this show with a disclaimer before I even get going, because I might do a little bit of meandering. I have a lot on my mind regarding this football team, the future of this team, the decision makers, and everything going on with this organization. So if I get off on a tangent, I promise I'll return back to form, back to the trail. But today, watching this game, I'm recording this podcast on Sunday as I do, I just felt lifeless. That's not like me as a fan or as a person watching a game that's interested in a particular game. I am a very animated character, to say the least. Flexing, yelling, getting emotional. That's just who I am when it comes to watching the Miami Dolphins, which I'm actually told is a major no-no in the press box. So that should be fun when I go to the game in December and have to keep everything in check in the press box there. But today, on Sunday against the Lions, it just didn't offer that same level of exuberance. And maybe it was because from the opening gun, Miami had another shit opening drive which, by the way, that's 17 consecutive games without an opening drive touchdown under Adam Gaze for the Miami Dolphins, by far the longest streak in the NFL. Then the Lions go right down the field, and you just felt like this game really was out of hand from the very beginning. From the tackling to the effort, this looked like a team that won a very emotionally 
charged football game that zapped every bit of energy out of them that they had because when the defense can't get stops, it's just so disheartening for a team and it feels like you're never going to be in the game. And while I have a tremendous level of respect for Matt Stafford, he's not exactly Showtime Mahomes back there. This Lions offense has sputtered at times this year, but not on Sunday. And I'm going to circle back to the defense and talk about Matt Burke and those issues. But this segment here, this is more about the overall depression of being a fan of this football team going back for however many years you really want to go back because I'm 31 years old. I turn 31 next Sunday, actually, and I just can't recall this team being a dominant offense or really being one of those teams that you had to worry about going down the stretch run in January into the playoffs. I just haven't seen it. And the script right now feels all too familiar to what we saw last year in 2017. And I hate, hate this term, but I think it's appropriate because what is this team's identity? There are injuries all over the place. The defense is falling apart. The same issues persisting on offense. There appears to be a very large disconnect from what this team wants to be to what this team actually is. Because what does this team fall back on? Why do they always get away from the things that make them successful in the first place? What is the linchpin for moving forward and saying, okay, this team is just a few pieces away, which I kind of think it could be, but I can't think of what that linchpin is. And I don't want to get all doom and gloom on you guys. I don't think this is suddenly some crap team that's not going to compete in any games this year because that's not who they are. They're a better team than a top 10 draft pick type of team in the NFL, but they are as firmly entrenched in that six to 10 type of win hamster wheel that they've always been on. And they might be more on that now than they've ever been on that. A lackluster offense going to find itself ranked in the twenties in every single offensive category across the board for what? 20 years in a row now since Marino retired the defense 11 of the last 15 drives have gone for points from the opposition between the Chicago bears and Detroit lions. Not exactly the world beaters of offensive football in the NFL. So what's next? Do we have to remake the scheme? Because I actually like a lot of parts on this defense. Hell, I like a lot of parts on the offense. But how do we get the fuck out of the cycle that is just perpetually not being good enough, but not being bad enough to get back to being good? It's maddening. It's deflating. The hope is fleeting with this team every single year right around this time we hit this bump in the road and have to ask ourselves the same question. Where is the savior quarterback going to come from? Is Tannehill going to be the one that comes back? This draft class overall seems pretty crappy at quarterback. And if we find him, are we pairing said savior quarterback with Adam Gaze or with somebody else? Who is that somebody else? Is it an offensive mind? Is it a defensive mind? Is Gaze going to fire Matt Burke? What's going to happen there? Are we going the veteran route with Derek Carr or Teddy Bridgewater? Is that even going to move the needle for you? I know one thing. I love, 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 love Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama. But Miami is going to have to sell all out to get him. And that's even two years away from now if he comes out early. What about the interim? That's where all this frustration comes from. I sat back and watched the Ravens and Saints game, a phenomenal football game. This Dolphins team is nowhere close to either of those teams. I watched the Chiefs play. Do you think we would even come within 40 points of that Chiefs team, the way they're built right now and that offense and how they stress defenses? I don't know, man. I don't have the answers. It's a weird feeling. But with the injuries we have stacked up right now on the short week, it just feels like we're in some from very dark, dark clouds in the next couple of weeks. 
But nonetheless, I will always be here on the podcast for you guys on Twitter at Winkful NFL and on LockedOnDolphins.com. I'll be on the search for those answers. But right now, I just don't have them. I do have some answers for you guys in regards to the individual scouting reports from the game. We'll break down Matt Burke's curious defense, Adam Gaze's plan, or lack thereof, and talk about the goats, the bad kind, of the day from the Dolphins' loss against the Detroit Lions and another player lashing out at this coaching staff. Busy, busy show. We'll get to that next, but first, a word from my bookie. And you guys know I love to bet on both the pros and college football. It gives the games more excitement. It gives me a chance to put some money in my pocket. And people always ask me on the podcast, who am I betting on this week? But what I always tell folks is just as important as who you're betting on is who you're betting through. And that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie, the best bet you'll make all season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie where you win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And since my bookie is currently slammed with new bettors and they want to give everybody the best possible customer service, if you're willing to deposit your money after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when using promo code Locked On to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play money. And if you want that extra $25 free play for logging on after 7 p.m., enter promo code LOCKEDON25 for the free $25. With MyBookie, where you play, you win, you get paid. So now at first and 25, and this pass is going to be caught by T.J. Jones. And where has he been? Not one of the Yeah, that's a first and 25 four. conversion for a first down for the Detroit Lions on the opening series of the game. And this problem is becoming a thing for Miami if it wasn't already. Long conversions from the opposing offense. And that's where we're going to start with the breakdown today. Talking about this defense and Matt Burke and all the conversions this defense allows when the yardage to gain is very, very great. And the similar situations the Dolphins' offense can never seem to overcome. Falling behind the chains, the drive killers, the sacks, the negative runs, the penalties. All the stuff that kills drives for the Dolphins seems to enhance drives for the opposition, and that should not be the case. That's the time when great defenses want to rally to the football. They want to put pressure on the quarterback. They want to tackle really well. They want to get their takeaways. They want to continue to make big plays and compound issues for the opposing offense, not make things easier on them, which appears to be what Matt Burke and this defense does all the damn time. That was a first and 25 conversion for the Lions, a very easy 27 yards on that play. Later in the game, they get a second and 18 after a sack, and they quickly go right back up top, and it's another first down, 18 more yards, and a big play to move the chains, move the sticks, get the Lions back into scoring range. This is a problem, and I don't understand how it continues to happen. They have these turkey hole shots where they go up the sideline against cover two. Dolphins playing this soft cover two where the cornerback jumps the flat the safety is too deep too late to get over from his deep position and all of a sudden you have a very easy throw from an experienced quarterback who to me it seemed like they kind of had an idea what the signals were what the calls were and I'm sure Matt Patricia knowing this team playing them twice a year for so long with the Patriots had something to do with that 
but there always seems to be communication issues, whether it's the Dolphins not having their plays properly communicated or the offense knowing what's coming ahead of time because there was a blitz call off the edge, a cat blitz, the cornerback blitz coming off the edge where Matt Stafford simply stood up, threw the ball behind him to the receiver for an easy first down right into the vacated area of his blitz. And that seems to happen a lot against this defense. They allow the opposition to just feast on your linebackers, whether it's the running game, the passing game. The Lions' tight ends had something like nine catches coming into the game today, but they had two touchdown catches from a tight end, another big play from TJ Jones in the offense. The running backs and linebackers went for 303 yards for scrimmage with three touchdowns on the day, and Jim Bob Cooter went after those guys with absolutely no regard for what was going on as far as Matt Burke is concerned. No regard for making the adjustment. No regard for getting things changed and making the Lions do something else to beat them because they went after the Dolphins and did whatever they wanted all day long. Those communication issues where you have defensive backs looking at each other, making hand signals, kind of getting aggressive with each other or frustrated with one another happens all the damn time. It happened again. It just, it's the same things over and over with the scheme. I'm not sure if it's the players don't fit the scheme, whatever it is. I think there's some good parts on this defense but things just aren't working. So it makes me wonder what's going on with Matt Burke. This soft zone is not working. The uh, rally and tackle and play bend but don't break, that's not working for you because you can't tackle that well on the back end apparently. And your red zone defense, which has been great, was good today but not as great as it has been. And the pass rush is totally non-existent, whether it's Cameron Wake, Andre Branch, Robert Quinn, Charles Harris. Those four guys have combined for three sacks on the season. Yeah, good luck winning games with that from your top four defensive ends. The defense, all kinds of issues schematically right now. I hope it gets fixed. We'll see going forward. But I'm really concerned about Matt Burke's long-term ability to make this defense a good one here in Miami. Now, as far as the offense goes, the freaking slow start shows up once again. It's so strange to me because what is it about Adam Gaze that he's supposed to be very good at? Play calling, analyzing the defense, getting his offense in advantageous situations where they can score points and move the ball and get yards. Well, the first 15 play script is supposed to be easy for the offense. We see teams go down the field and score all the time, or at least put together some success. It all starts with how you scout the other team and institute a game plan on Sundays. And if he can't do that, then what the fuck is he doing here? That's supposed to be his bread and butter. He should be great in that area. Even the Raiders this year, how bad they are, they go down the field on their first drive of the game because John Gruden has this 15 play script that works. And what's up with all the stuff that we do well that we get away from the screen game I know Albert Wilson got hurt but what happened to the bubble screen it was gone in that game today let's test those line corners out it's hot and humid in Miami we saw the story all day long about how the Dolphins are winning in Miami because it's hot and that's the only reason why well they didn't really test the outside guys in terms of how well they tackle out there got completely away from that they don't seem to adapt the scheme to fit the personnel which is maddening just keep on trying to put that square peg into a round hole it's just it's frustrating to see the same the same issues occur over and over again. And real quick before we turn the page here and get to the next segment, the positives. Thought Brock Osweiler played very well once again. Danny Amendola was awesome in that game. Tough, tough dude. He was a good signing. Laramie Tunzel, I got to look at the offensive line more and more in depth, but I thought he played pretty well again. Mike Kosicki finally gets involved. Nice to see that. Xavier Howard, although he got beat a couple times and had that unfortunate pass interference call, which I thought was the right call, I thought he looked pretty good in coverage once again. The negatives, I mean, they're all over the place. Jesse Davis, Ted Larson, Travis Swanson were all bad in this game. Kenyon Drake dropped a couple of passes. He looks like he's just, he looks kind of like Mike Kosicki in the sense that he's just not ready or overwhelmed. I thought Jawan James had a bad game, and the entire front seven to a man was bad in this game. So, Not good, not a good day, and I don't want to sound like I'm calling this day for the Dolphins 
the funeral day and what the funeral day is when your season comes to an end, when you can put your season to rest and move on to the next season. For me last year, it was that week 15 game in Buffalo when they looked lifeless against that Bills team with Jay Cutler and the four turnovers. This is not a funeral day. Even if the Dolphins lose next week, that's not a funeral day. Now, if they lose to the Jets again and fall to four and five, we might bring that topic back up. But we are not anywhere close to that yet. If the Dolphins can find a win in Houston, all is going to be healed. All will be right. Everybody will be happy as the AFC playoff picture now seems to be coming into somewhat of a focus in regards to how we can expect it to unfold over the next two months. It looks like the Chargers will be one of the teams in that wildcard spot with the four division winners across the board. And then Miami competing with three teams from the AFC North, the Bengals, the Steelers, and the Ravens. And one of those teams will obviously win the North. And then obviously two teams from the AFC North competing with the Dolphins. If they can sustain some more wins and continue to play better football than they did on Sunday, it'll be the Dolphins versus those two teams in the AFC North competing for that sixth and final playoff spot, in my opinion. So everything is still there for this Dolphins team if they just find a way to get back into the winner's circle and get back into the fans' good graces. All right, for the next segment, Devontae Parker, he didn't play in the game on Sunday, and he went to his agent to make a lengthy statement holding back absolutely no punches against Adam Gaze. We'll discuss that, the impact going forward, and why this is commonplace under Adam Gaze. We'll do all of that next in the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Final segment for the recap podcast edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast here on Monday, October the 22nd, talking all things Miami Dolphins and Detroit Lions. And if you guys didn't see it by now, Devontae Parker had some words for Adam Gaze via his agent. And I'm just going to go ahead and read this for you guys here off the top because I don't have it memorized. So we'll go ahead and read it word for word. Jimmy Gould, who is Devontae Parker's agent, says, quote, I am responding that Coach Gaze is not telling the truth and his decision was an example of poor management and cost the team the best opportunity to win. He continues attacking the health of my client and that is not acceptable. Parker is not only healthy, but wants to help this team win. And the only real question that should be asked is how does Coach Gaze justify his own incompetence? The team averaged only 6.1 yards per catch. They needed Parker active. He is completely healthy and was in full participation all week and in warmups this morning. Something smells in Miami, which goes back to what we've heard from several ex-players talking about Adam Gaze and the Miami Dolphins. And this one for me is different because you have this underperforming player who was, let's face it, he was beat out by four other receivers who were all better players than him, and he doesn't play through any semblance of injury or pain. You can't count on the guy. He misses games literally every single year. Now, I'm of the belief that there was a trade on the table for Parker, and that might have been why they held him out, but that doesn't appear to be the case because his agent said otherwise, and now Miami is in this awkward spot where they might need him on Thursday because of injuries to Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills. It's messy, but that's becoming something of commonplace under Adam Gaze, and I'm curious because of who these players are, what exactly it means. Jay Ajayi, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker... Jordan Phillips and Indomitian Sue, all guys that had some negative parting shots for Gaze or whatever you want to call it, those guys were all inherited pre-Adam Gaze. So there's obviously a certain character and a certain person, a certain type of football player that Adam Gaze wants to have on this football team. And I don't think any five of those guys fit that criteria. And the problem is a few of those guys are uber talented and good players that can contribute. And that's a discussion for another day. But nonetheless, 
Gaze was rubbed the wrong way by these guys, and their attitudes wore thin, which is very interesting when you consider the fact that just on Friday, this great column came out, I forget what paper it was in, talking about how the camaraderie around this current Miami Dolphins team has been their best asset and why they might be getting more wins than the sum of all their parts equals up to as far as talent goes. And as far as Adam Gaze goes, yeah, he's not likable. He's probably really, really demanding as far as being a boss and being a guy you have to work for. And malcontents are never going to fare any well here because I'm sure once you don't do something Gaze asks, you get on his shit list quickly and it's hard to get off that. That's my guess, which is okay, but the redeeming qualities seem to be coming and going from a week-to-week basis with Adam Gaze, and that's why you question these stances or these positions or the things these guys say about him because he hasn't been this weekly, dominant, consistent, really revolutionary type of coach that is providing great results. He's been good. He's not been great. He's been very bad at times. So it seems like this kind of stubbornness or this lack of accountability or the way he carries himself with that swagger and that confidence and that conceitedness is a little bit unwarranted in a way. And I think that's what rubs folks the wrong ways. And it just feels like there's at times a reluctance for this guy and this staff to change. I do think, and hear me out here real quick, I do think that if he can get a quarterback that he loves and a quarterback that he can get his system humming in around, all will be great and we'll all be better off for it. We'll all be the lucky-ass Chief fans right now that get to experience all this joy because I sit back and I watch these Chiefs and Rams teams and I'm just so, so jealous of what they have. But I also wonder if Adam Gaze might have too much on his plate and is letting key aspects of the job slip through the cracks. You always have more questions than answers after a loss, but fortunately for Miami, they get a quick turnaround and a chance to try to provide some of those answers on Thursday night, and we'll get into that throughout the course of the week. We'll have a slightly different schedule this week because of that short week. I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to do it, but the information will be accelerated for you guys here on the podcast as all my prep work for the game will be accelerated on the short week, just as it is for the team. But we'll have you guys covered here on the podcast. As for this podcast, that is going to do it for me. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at WinkleNFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.